What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. Let's go ahead and turn to Song of Songs, chapter 3, please. Song of Songs, chapter 3. Be bold, be strong, banish fear and doubt, for the Lord that God is with you. Do you know who is with you? Do you realize who is with you? J.B. Phillips wrote a book called Your God is Too Small. I never read the book, but I like the title. And most of us walk with a small God. From the standpoint of, we don't realize how big he is. We don't realize how strong he is. We don't realize who we're talking to. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and there is no one that is like him. Whenever someone sees God in the Bible, they fall down as if they're dead, and he has to come and put his hands on them. Do not be afraid. When demons, when Jesus came across demons in in the New Testament, uh, they fell down, and they bowed down to him, and they said, we know who you are, O Son of God. Do not send us to this place of torment. It's not our time yet. Can we go into the pigs? Demons have a better view of God than most Christians. How do I know that? When was the last time you got down on your knees and bowed down before a holy God? Worship his majesty. Our king is glorious. And through this book of Song of Songs, guys, he's awakening us to who he is, because when you truly know who he is, following becomes easy, it becomes excited, exciting, it's a hard road, it's a narrow road, only few find it, but man, this is the abundant life that he has called us to, when he is our vision, when he's our vision, and so Let's review here. I was off last week, last two weeks. I've been in Africa. I can't get into that today, but I'll fill you in some other time. But it's great to be back at home. Oh, it's great to be back at home. (laughs) So let's review real quick uh, Song of Songs 3, 1. It says, on my bed at night, I sought him whom my soul loves. And you should have highlighted in your Bible four different times in this text. It says, whom my soul loves. And remember, the soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions, right? Your soul is where your mind dwells, your will dwells, and your emotions dwell. Your soul. You are the one that my whole soul loves. I sought him, but I found him not. And the question was, why? Why did she not find him? And I went through two weeks ago uh, different seasons where we don't find God. Uh, I'm not going to go through that again, but it's online. You can go watch it. I want you to go back to Song of Songs 2, verse 10. She's memorized here his words, him speaking to her. She's memorized them, and much of the church memorizes the word of God, but we are hearers of the word and not what? Doers. That's who we are, guys. 
She has chapter 2, that portion memorized about what he says, but for some reason she doesn't go with him. Look at verse 210, chapter 2, verse 10. My beloved speaks to me and says, Arise, come, my beautiful one, and come away. So the king is calling her to come. Go down to verse 13. Arise, chapter 2, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. This is the second time he's like, Come on, baby. Come on, baby. Let's go, my beautiful one. And then we get to three, chapter 3, verse 1, and she is on her bed at night, and he's not there. She didn't come away. She didn't move with him. Why? And this is the question that I posed to you this morning, First John 1, 9. Why don't we go when he calls? Why can't we step out? When it's time, and here's why, is we're not convinced of how much he loves us. If we were, there would be complete freedom. Understand there's no condemnation because we are all in that same boat, all of us. If you're fully convinced of the love of God, you would never fear anything again. The reason why we fear when he's calling us and saying, come, is because we haven't fully received how much he loves us. The kingdom is like a guy in a field who finds hidden treasure. In his joy, he goes and he sells all that he has and he buys this field. That's what the kingdom's like. When we understand who the king is, yeah, I want to give it all away. Yeah, I want to drop my nets and go. Yeah, I want to leave and follow because he is amazing. He's worthy of it all. But because we don't know him, because to know him is to love him, and to love him is to walk without fear ruling us. So this is what we press into acknowledge the the day of my salvation march 4th 1998 i said jesus there is there is no way that i can overcome this sexual addiction in fact i would say i love this sexual addiction more than i love you but i know that's wrong i know it's wrong so please do in me what i cannot do in myself how many of us have had things in our life for months, for years, where we just, we'll never say it, I love this more than I love you, God, but that's what's really going on in your heart. And I just want to encourage you, God is not surprised, he's not offended, he wants you to be honest and say, hey God, I love this more than I love you. And when you start to be honest with God, he comes in because he, he's, he can't deal with somebody who is, who is just not willing to be real. The guy with the issue of his son had a demon and the disciples couldn't cast it out. And Jesus says, do you believe I can do this? He said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. That was a prayer that was answered. I believe, but I really don't believe. Help me. That truth, that brokenness, that humility, that dependence. I can't do this, God. I need you. 
And this needs to be cultivated in the heart of every disciple here today. That we cry out, God, you know what? I don't like to arise and go. I want to stay in my bed. I, I don't want to serve. I, I, don't, I don't want to go get out of my comfort zone. I've got my patterns. I've got my life. I've got what I want. But you know what, God? Please help me. Help me to be willing to be uncomfortable. I want you to turn to Matthew 21, please. And keep your place in Song of Songs 3. We're always going to be coming back. This is for somebody today. This this word is a word for somebody today. I don't know who you are. Matthew chapter 21, verse 28, it says, what do you think? Matthew chapter 21, 28, Jesus, in context, he's talking to the Pharisees who are basically, they're trying him. They're trying him. They're questioning who he is. And he says, what do you think? A man had two sons. And he went to the first and he said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And 29, and he answered, I will not. How many of Can I get a witness in here? How many have said to Jesus, I will not? So I've got a bunch of liars in here today. We need to put up not one hand, but two hand. Like if you've never told Jesus, I will not, I don't know if you're um, saved. Because there should be a conviction of the Holy Spirit. I have said, I'm not. Religious spirit, go in Jesus' name. Like you go every time. But afterward, oh, thank you, Jesus, for that. He changed his mind and he went. Hallelujah for the grace of God. I am so thankful that God allows U-turns. How many times have I missed the exit? Oh, man, because I was in my own self, because I was in my own feelings, because I was in my own flesh. And I said, no, I will not. I don't want to do that. But he allows U-turns. And so he allows us to change our minds. You know, the word repentance means to change your mind. It means to think again. Verse 30, he went to the other son and that guy said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but he did not go. So here's a religious spirit, right? Oh, yeah, praise the Lord, brother. I'm going to go. I'm I'm on fire for Jesus. I'm preaching the word. I'm all this talk. But we're supposed to recognize what kind of tree it is by the fruit that follows. So there's a lot of people that hallelujah, amen on Sunday, but say no to Jesus all day Monday. Which of the two, verse 31, 
did the will of his father, and he said the first. And Jesus said to them, to, to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes, they go into the kingdom of God before you. Jesus is saying, hey, you religious Pharisees, prostitutes and tax collectors, those sinners, they're getting into the kingdom of heaven before you religious people. but I've been a member of this church for 15 years. Who cares? Back to chapter three, verse two. So if she can't find him, she's on her bed. She realizes she didn't arise when he was calling her to arise in chapter two, but he, she says now with intention. You see, God allows U-turns. I will rise now and I will go about the city in the streets and in the squares. I will seek him whom my soul loves. I sought him, but I found him not. And then the watchmen, right? We talked about that. That's the church, the church, the church. They found me and they went about the, as I went about the city. Have you seen him whom my soul loves? She was willing to look dumb. She was willing willing to humble herself and ask for help. How many in here are too prideful to humble yourself and say, I need help? God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I am torn down to the floor down, and I need help. I need help. My wife will tell you I need help. Those that work with me, they will tell you that I need help. Beloved disciple, stop trying to fake it till you make it. Acknowledge what you need. Ask for help. And when she humbled herself to the church leadership, the watchman, guess what happened? She got the answer. How many of us are not going to get the answer because we're living in an Americanized Christianity that is individualistic and you do not know yet how to live within the context of the body of Christ, which takes humility, honesty, and transparency to you humble yourself and say, hey, I'm in need. Can you pray for me? Scarcely has I, had I passed them when I found him whom my soul loves. Hallelujah. The humility, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Here's the grace of God. She found him. She found him. She found him. And now you want to highlight this. I held him and I would not let him go. That is intention. That is passion. That is that woman breaking through the crowd. If I could just touch the hem of his garment. This is what God needs to stir within us. A passion, guys. A fire, guys. Have you said that to Jesus, by the way? Because remember, as we're going through this book, we're challenging you to journal. We're challenging you to make these things. I don't, Jesus, I know you said you're never going to leave me or forsake me, but Lord, may I move like that towards you. I don't want to forget about you ever again. I don't want to talk about you like you're not in the room. I love you, Jesus. 
I want you to be my vision. I want you to be the center of my affection. I want you to be my desire, that one thing, desire. I want you, Jesus. And then she says, until I brought him into my mother's house, into the chamber of her who conceived me, I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles and by the does of the field, that you do not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. I'm going to expound on that when we get to chapter 8, because this is a repetitive phrase that's in this book three different times, so I don't want to go into it today. So here's the deal. She was moving with an intention and a passion that says, I will not let him go go. But here's what our God knows. We can have all the intention and passion that we want, but we're not strong enough to pull it off. Unless the Lord builds the house, we're going to labor in vain. Apart from me, you can do nothing. John 15, 5. Unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. That's Psalm 127. Listen, uh, John 3, 27 says this, Unless it's given to him from heaven, a man can't receive anything unless it's given to him. You can have the passion and the intention and all of that that you want, but you're not strong enough to pull it off. That's why I love Andrew Murray's quote. God, I surrender my surrender because I'm not even strong enough to surrender. You've got to bring my surrender to pass. And the king hears her intention and he begins to move. He begins to move because he knows she can't do that. Do you know you can't love God apart from God? If there is just one command that we're guilty of breaking, love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Nobody does that. So God, I can't even love you apart from you. And so here's the precious promise. Jot this down. Jeremiah 29, 13. It says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. You see, God is stirring in us an intention and a passion. And when we begin to cry out, God, I want a lifestyle where I, when I move with a passion, I move with that intention, he begins to reveal himself to us in a way that we've never seen before. So we fall more in love with him and begin to move in that intention and that passion. And that's what we're going to see here in verse 6. He reveals himself. She says, I want, I want you, and I don't want to let you go. And he says, I know you can't do that, so I'm going to reveal myself. I'm going to show you myself so that your intention and passion is going to grow. So listen to the revelation. What is this coming up? Coming up, that, that phrase, that means conquering. That means ascending. What is coming up from the wilderness? Now, wait a minute. The wilderness is hard. It's not easy. It's hard. But yet this king is coming up from the wilderness. Again, I say this is not Solomon because Solomon was in a palace. He was not in the wilderness. And so he's coming up. This is the same question in chapter 8, verse 5. I want you to turn there real quick. We'll come back to chapter 3. But it says this, who is this coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? Leaning, yes, she's learned how to abide through the process of the wilderness. And some of us, we do not 
act out on Joshua 1.9, be bold, be strong, banish fear and doubt for the Lord that God is with you because we see the wilderness and we're like, I don't want to go to the wilderness. He's coming up out of the wilderness. Glorious, radiant, smoke, awe. Why wasn't she there? Well, 2.10, he called her, but she didn't come. Now in chapter 8, we see her coming out of the wilderness. Why? She's convinced of how great and how awesome he is because of the revelation. I want you to write this down. This is a radical disciple's prayer. Lord, take me into the wilderness so I can learn to depend on you. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Now, that ain't for me. That ain't my word. That's your word. No, I'm just kidding. All of a sudden, we realize who we're talking to. We realize, and we're kind of like, oh, yeah, I don't know if I want to pray that one. I'm just in this thing because I wanted to go to heaven when I die. Take me into the wilderness so I can learn to depend on you. The culmination of chapter 8, verse 5, is that she's in the wilderness and she's in love and she's just leaning on her beloved, broken and leaning into the one that she loves because the wilderness doesn't matter as long as I'm with him. Circumstances don't matter as long as I'm with him. Apostle Paul says, I've learned to be content in every situation. I know what it means to be rich, and I know what it means to be poor. I can do all things through him who, who strengthens me. I can do all things. I am content because it really doesn't matter if I'm in the palace or if I'm in the wilderness, as long as he's with me. And by the way, that's where God is taking you, disciple. Verse 6, like columns of smoke. I want you to understand, uh, number one, Solomon never had smoke of columns in his life. But we see in Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 19, verse 18, that, that there was smoke coming from the mountain. We see in Revelation 15, 8, that the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and nobody was able to enter. And so here we see an allusion to the glory and the manifest presence of a holy God, the glory and the wonder, this smoke, this smoke, this smoke. And he's coming out of the wilderness with a cloud of glory. And she's seeing this glimpse of him. And not only is he coming out like that, but he's perfumed, verse 6 again, with myrrh and frankincense, with all the fragrant powders of a merchant. He's not coming out of the wilderness, tore down to the floor down. He's coming out smelling really, really good like he just had a bath. There's an aroma because of who he is. Verse 7, behold, it is the litter. Now, I want you to highlight that. It's not cat litter. It means a traveling couch, a bed, or a sedan. So Jesus had a sedan to fill. He had a caddy. 
Behold, it's, it's this couch, this bed of Solomon. Around it are 60 mighty men, all of them wearing swords, an expert in war, each with a sword on his thigh against the terror of the night. So what is he showing her now? His power, his might, his majesty. Listen, kings usually have 20 to 30 bodyguards, and this is saying, hey, 60 are around him, right? There is more with us than with them. And so she is seeing how powerful he is. So maybe she didn't arise and go in chapter 2, verse 10 and 13, because she was afraid that he wasn't strong enough, that he wouldn't protect her, that she wouldn't be safe. And so he's showing his majesty. He's showing his glory so that she could say, okay, I can trust him. I can trust him. And so we need revelation from God. Just how big he is, how powerful he is. We need him to bring that revelation to us. Jot this down for sake of time. Matthew chapter 11. Verse 27. It says this. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone whom the Son chooses to reveal. You can't make a decision to know God today, and you're going to know Him. He has to choose to bring a revelation to you, an impartation to you of who he is. We are, you know, Christianity is not American, that you can kind of pull yourself up by your bootstraps and learn this and learn this and learn this. No, Christianity is a revelation. It's why Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, I'm praying for you that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so that you may know the hope to which he has called you unless God reveals you're not going to know now he wants to reveal but you have to begin to ask him for greater revelation God show me your glory show me God they talk about how great you are but I haven't seen that yet in fact I can't I can't testify that you've done anything. I know about the cross, I know about the grave and the resurrection, but, but are you really with me? And he might say to you, okay, well, what was the last thing I asked you to do? Did you do it? Oh, no, I didn't do it. I was too afraid to step out. I, 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 didn't, I didn't want to go. And this is the verse for you. The one son said, I will not, but later he did. Today, God is telling you, okay, let's do that thing. Let's do that thing. Verse 9, King Solomon made himself a carriage, all right? That's the Sedan de Ville, all right? From the wood of Lebanon. This represents the finest wood, the finest wood. Uh, in the Eastern world, a bride on her, on her wedding day was carried on men's shoulders in this chair, in this couch, and this is what is going on here. He's inviting her into something that he made for her because he wants his bride at his side. He wants her to rest in his presence. He's showing her his power and his authority and his protection and the smoke that's coming down. But then he says, hey, girl, I want you close to me. Verse 10, he made its posts of silver. 
Its back of gold, its seat of purple, its interior was inlaid with love. 1 Corinthians 16, 14, right? We challenged you to memorize that. Do everything in agape. Do everything in love. I want you to understand our king does everything inlaid with love. Everything. Even his rebukes for those I love, I rebuke. I rebuke everything, every word that might be tough. It's coming from love. And he's calling her in to this place of safety and of love. The attention to detail. He's designed this specifically for her. And maybe she didn't come before because she's under bad authority, right? Her brothers were angry. My brothers were angry with me. She said that in chapter one. And so she's like, man, I've been under bad authority. One of the things that's missing from chapter one where she says my brothers were angry with me is this question, where was her father? So maybe she's just had poor authority. So she can't submit to authority because she's experienced bad authority. And he comes into that and says, I want you to come and sit in my couch in this beautiful thing that I've designed specifically for you. His love is extravagant towards her. Gold, silver, nothing is spared. Comfort, safety, inlaid in love. Extravagant protection. He loves her. I want you to jot down Ephesians 2.6. This is such an important verse that some of you may need to make this verse your meditation for the week. It says that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. See, you can't understand chapter 6 of Ephesians, spiritual warfare, rulers and authorities, powers in high places, and you think that that they're up there. No, 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 no. Chapter 2 of Ephesians. If you don't understand chapter 2, verse 6, you're not going to understand chapter 6, 10 on down, spiritual warfare. Because we don't fight looking up at the enemy. We fight looking down at the enemy. Because we're seated with Christ, we are above the enemy. And that's why Jesus said in the book of Luke that You are going to trample over snakes and scorpions and nothing will harm you. Why? Because you're seated positionally in Christ. You're surrounded by 60 warriors, experts in wars. There is the smoke of his presence. You are comfortable in his chair that he made for you and laid in love. You're seated with Christ in heavenly places. You're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Verse 11, go out, O daughters of Zion, and look. I want you to highlight that word, look. Look upon King Solomon. Look, 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 look. That word in the Hebrew is R-A-A-H. It means this, to gaze upon, to cause to look intently. What happened when Peter got his eyes off Jesus when he was walking on water? He began to sink. How many of us, our lives are sinking right now? And let me just submit to you, it may be because you've got your eyes on yourself, man. Your gifts, your enemies, your issues, your circumstances. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. 
the author and the finisher of your faith. You're weak, yeah, but he is what? Strong. So the more I'm convinced of my weakness and I begin to be like Paul, I rejoice in my weakness. I boast in my weakness. Why? So that the strength of God can rest upon me. And she is beginning to testify here in verse 11. Look upon King. Look upon him. Look upon my lover. Look upon this one. Hey, girls, check this man out. So much of our church is, you know, you got to go out, you got to share the gospel, you got to witness, you got to share with people. And there's a legalistic have to. If it's a legalistic have to, listen, you're probably not a very good witness. You might need to take a break. Matthew chapter 28, go and make disciples. That's what Jesus said, right? When you look at the three years of Jesus' ministry and how he dealt with the 12, he was more concerned with the make than the go. Don't get it twisted. You can't witness to something that you haven't experienced. 1 John 1, 14, it says this, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory as the Son from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. And what is a testimony without a test? What is a testimony without a trial? What is a testimony without God showing up and doing something? Mind-blowing. She has seen him. She has experienced his love. And she is witnessing in such a way, telling the daughters of Zion, hey, go look upon this king. Go look upon this king. Verse 11, with the crown with which his mother crowned him on the day of his wedding, on the day of the gladness of his heart. Man, this has been my focus, by the way, because... I don't know if I'm fully convinced that Jesus is full of joy and gladness when he looks at me. See, I look at me, I see my faults, I see my failures, I see my issues. Those around me sometimes are not looking at me with a joy and a gladness. I was even convicted, yeah, there's some people that, man, I got to Talk to, I got to, right? Da, 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 da. And, and, and it's like, hey, Chris, are you looking at them with a, with a wedding joy of gladness? Because, see, when you confront them because they're a believer in a loving way, you know what's going to happen. They're not going to deflect. They're not going to blame. blame. They're going to repent. And when they repent, you can reconcile, and you guys are going to become closer and closer together because if you rebuke a fool, they will hate you. But if you rebuke a wise person, they will love you. And your people that are around you, they are wise. So we can expect, expect that this is going to be amazing. You see, when God looks at us, right, there is a joy in his heart. Individualize that for a second. Do you know what the cross and the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus was for? That was so that he could purchase you with the blood 
of himself. He died for you because that is his engagement to you because he desires to marry you. To be one. The church is called his what? Bride. We're the bride of Christ. And so when he looks at us, he is looking at us whom he purchased with his own blood with a joy and a gladness on his heart because he's anticipating Revelation chapter 19, the bride has made herself ready. Hallelujah, rejoice. The marriage of the supper lamb has come. He is waiting for that day. He is waiting for his bride to come. He's coming for his bride. He is excited about that. Do we really view Jesus like that? Jeremy, if you could throw up that picture. Please. Uh, my wedding picture? Okay, no problem. We can plan all we want, but the Lord's... <laughs> anyway, I want you to listen to these verses here. Hey, Queenie, if he can't find that picture, can you just airdrop it to him? Thanks. Uh, Zephaniah 3.17. It says, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. Christian, do you really, really believe that God is rejoicing over you with gladness right now? Do you really believe that? Or do you have a picture of God who's like mad at you, upset with you? And if you could just perform right, then I would love you. No, his love is unconditional. You see my cheesy smile there? I want you to understand, on the day of my wedding, boy, I was, woo! I hit the lotto! There was an overabundance of excitement and joy, the gladness of my heart. And that's why Song of Song 311, it reminds me of that day that I got my bride, I got my prize, I got the one whom my soul loves, and I was just so excited. The reception, hey guys... It's nice to see you, but I don't want to be with you guys right now. I want to go with my bride. And there's a pure love of Jesus where he just can't wait to have you in his arms. Hebrews 12, for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. He despised the shame. You were the joy. You are his joy. You make his heart glad. He loves you despite you. He purchased you with his blood. And you need to cry out, God, help me. I want to move, like it says, with an intention and a passion. But God, would you please reveal more of who you are to me so that I can really receive and be convinced of your love so that... Fear has no place, and I can walk like Jeremiah 1.9. I'm bold, I'm strong, I banish fear and doubt because I know you're with me. You are my husband. You are my kinsman redeemer. You are for me. You love me. And this needs to be the cry of our heart where we have a deeper revelation of the love of Jesus. He calls us his bride, guys. And my love right there was immature, by the way. You know why? Because when I married her, 
there were like benefits and, okay, she has this gift, she has this, this is what she's bringing to the table, and I'm evaluating stuff. Why? Because of how it's going to affect me. That's called eros, by the way. Jesus loves out of a pure love. He wants you for you. It's not what you bring to the table. It's not what you can do for him. It's not because he wants to use you. He wants to love you because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you. Despite your issues, despite your stuff, despite the fact, really, you don't really trust him. He knows that. He's not offended. He is going to continue to pursue you till you give up and surrender and say, okay, Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere because I'm convinced of your love. And so let's go ahead and close now. Worship team, come on up, please. We'll be in chapter four next week, guys. Moving right along. As always, we are going to have our prayer partners and prayer partners, if you can come up front here. If anybody needs prayer, please. Uh, if you're new here, we're going to worship. We're going to sing multiple songs. Also, um, we have communion to off to the side. We believe in the priesthood of believers here. So you take communion before you and Jesus. Understand what this communion is. And it represents, it represents his broken body that was broken for you and his blood that was shed for you. This was the bride price that he paid in order to have you, to have you in a covenant relationship that can never be broken. You are engaged to Jesus. You are waiting for the marriage of the supper of the lamb. But he has said, when you do this, remember, you're my bride. You're my bride. I bought you with my broken body. You are my bride. Father, I thank you for your love. Jesus, I thank you that you are our kinsman redeemer. Forgive us for the times where we didn't go. Forgive us for the times we haven't moved with an intention. But we all just fall at the foot of your cross today, at the, at the throne of grace and mercy today, and say, Jesus, please reveal your love. Help me to trust you. Help me to follow. May it never be a have to, may it be a want to, because I'm in love with you. I want to do everything in love, God. Help me to know what it means to be your bride. I ask for greater revelation. May I look at the cross and just see, wow, you did this because you wanted me as your bride. We love you, Jesus. Help us to worship you and adore you. To really see you. It's like the song earlier open the eyes of my heart so we can see you. Bring a greater revelation, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.